This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, welcoming you to week number three of the legislative session. The House and Senate have scheduled floor sessions on Wednesday where lawmakers will vote on bills overturning the ban on chemical sunscreens adopted by the city of Key West and a bill prohibiting insurance companies from using your genetic information to set rates or deny coverage. Florida's unemployment rate has reached an historic low. Just don't ask why wages are still low. The new conservative majority on the Florida Supreme Court upends the death penalty process, and it could be a while before we know the true impact of their decision. The Department of Agriculture says it wants to repay homeowners in Lee County who had their trees cut down to prevent the spread of citrus canker, but they say it cannot happen until lawmakers actually come up with the money. Today on the Sunrise Interview, we'll talk to Dr. Jamie Ellis about the state of the Florida honeybee. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and our regular update on Florida Man, who sometimes wears an Easter Bunny costume as he tries to escape the law. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, January 27th. Florida's unemployment rate dropped by one-tenth of one percentage point last month. It's a small drop, but a big one for the record books. Department of Economic Opportunity Director Ken Lawson says it's historic because this is the first time since they set up the current reporting system in 1976 that Florida's jobless numbers have been this low. They are unemployment at 3%, which is fantastic for the state of Florida. How far back does this go? Forever. First time ever. Okay. First time ever. But you know what? Um, just let me uh, riff a bit. It just shows that people have confidence in Florida. I mean, what Governor Stance is doing, we're seeing uh, labor force rate growing. We had 220,000 Floridians enter the labor force, growth rate of 2.1%. We saw a creation of new jobs since so last year, where 16,000 new private sector jobs were created in December, total of 198,000 jobs over the year, low taxes, smart regulations across the state. just shows that Employers doing the right thing. Are there any? If you, if someone's out there looking for a job right now, what are the hottest sectors? Education, health services, leisure and hospitality, also professional business services. Those three are the hot sectors. Those are hot things. And what do you make of what's going on down in South Florida? I see not only uh, Monroe County but Miami Dade has a 1.8 percent unemployment rate. I mean, that's pretty much unheard of. That is freaking awesome. And you know what's great about Miami? What's fantastic is that you're doing the right things in, uh, to invite and attract businesses. I mean, the number of new jobs down there, I mean, large. Hang on a second. The number of new jobs in Miami this past year is 23,000 new private sector jobs. So we're all doing the right things, making sure that we know we're business friendly, low taxation, being attractive. But the more we double down, it's like compound interest when you save the money. It increases and increases. So kudos to Miami Day. And what's happening on the wage front? The, wages? The, yeah, the criticism has always been that, yeah, our un- unemployment rate is low, but the jobs really don't pay that much. Well, I can say generally this is that, you know, we have good-paying jobs out there and that by the increase of the labor force, people feel confident, all right? And then uh, from my past experiences, I know that by getting your foot in the door and proving yourself, you know, you have those opportunities to grow, develop, and then uh, get promotion. So I feel confident about not just people getting jobs, but be having jobs that pay them well. You know what? Proud of Florida, proud of the governor, proud of our community. You just got to keep going. That's about it. Despite the historic jobless rate, there are still 311,000 Floridians on the official unemployment list. Hendry County has the highest rate in the state at 4.6%, followed by Hardee County at 4.1%, and Citrus County and Sumter County are tied for third worst at 4%. 
Last week's decision by the Florida Supreme Court to overturn what is commonly known as the Hearst decision has thrown the death penalty process into a confusing legal limbo and is likely to trigger a new round of death penalty bills in the state legislature. In that 2016 case, the high court said a death sentence can only be imposed if there is a unanimous recommendation from the jury. But there is a new court now that Governor Ron DeSantis has packed it with conservative judges who have the seal of approval from the Federalist Society, and they say the Hearst decision was wrong. There have been almost three dozen cases where death row inmates have been resentenced to life in prison because the jury was not unanimous in recommending death, and legal experts believe those cases will not be affected. But officials at the Death Penalty Information Center told the Associated Press there may be as many as 150 other cases where inmates were waiting to be resentenced, and Thursday's decision could mean they will remain on death row. The only thing we really know right now is that there will be a new wave of legal appeals, as lawyers on both sides try to figure out how to navigate the new death penalty process. Under current Florida law, defendants still need a unanimous jury decision to receive the death penalty. But it won't be long before someone in the legislature files a bill that will make it easier to impose the death penalty. Lawyers at the Florida Department of Agriculture say the agency wants to pay millions of dollars to Lee County homeowners who had their citrus trees destroyed by the state. But they're telling the Florida Supreme Court that cannot happen until lawmakers actually come up with the cash. The state chopped down 34,000 healthy citrus trees in Lee County to try to stop the spread of citrus canker. Homeowners there won a class action lawsuit in 2003, ordering the state to repay them. An appeals court has ordered the Department of Agriculture to pay up, but lawyers for the Agriculture Department are asking the high court to overturn the appeals court, saying they cannot legally pay until the legislature actually appropriates the money. The Ag Department's asking for $60 million this year to reimburse homeowners in Lee and Orange counties. The money was approved by lawmakers in 2017, but the appropriation was vetoed by then-Governor Rick Scott. Next up on Sunrise, we talk with Dr. Jamie Ellis, the man in charge of the state's new honeybee research lab. They're trying to figure out colony collapse, and it turns out that's just one of the many problems plaguing Florida bees. This is Sunrise from Florida Politics. If you live along the I-4 corridor, learn to use your business experience to impact public policy. Apply today to the Central Florida Political Leadership Institute at cflpli.org. The Orlando Economic Partnership offers this free nonpartisan program for business-minded leaders to explore whether elected or appointed office is right for them, discover political strategies to succeed and lead, and join a network of influencers. Apply by February 21st. Visit cflpli.org. That's cflpli.org. Welcome back to Sunrise. Florida is honeybee country. There are almost 5,000 registered beekeepers in the state. The vast majority are hobbyists with fewer than 40 hives. We're classified as backyard beekeepers. But there are huge commercial operations with hundreds or even thousands of hives that truck their bees all across the country for pollination purposes. And Florida is the winter home for commercial beekeepers in colder states who ship their hives here to take advantage of the milder climate. So we actually have snowbirds and snow bees. Now, there have been a lot of stories in recent years about disappearing bees, colony collapse disorder, and researchers are still trying to figure out exactly what's going on. That's where Dr. Jamie Ellis comes in. He runs the state's new honeybee research and extension laboratory on the campus of the University of Florida. So beekeeping is incredibly popular in Florida. In about 2006, there were somewhere around 1,000 to 1,100 registered beekeepers. Today, there's nearly 5,000 beekeepers. The number of colonies is, is, is similarly going up. We had about 100,000. 14, 15 years ago, we now have nearly 650,000. So there's more beekeepers, there's more bees, and there's more need for all of this because a lot of bees are moved down to Florida over winter before heading out to pollinate almonds and uh, the rest of the country's various crops. 
course, everyone's heard of colony collapse. Mm -hmm. what, what is the state of the research there? How, how close are we to finding something? Sure, so colony collapse kind of as faded as a term. We tend to refer more about colony losses, and we have a pretty good understanding of the major stressors that are driving colony losses. That includes Varroa, this mite that's on the outside of the bee that feeds on their you know, fat bodies and transmit pathogens, nutrition-related issues, and queen management. Those are the principal stressors facing our bees face, and they're, they're largely what's responsible for these widespread losses that we see. So there, CCD was like a misnomer, you think? Well, CCD describes a very uh, unique set of conditions that a colony faces that even in its heyday was only responsible for a percentage of the losses that we have among bees. We think Varroa, queen issues, nutrition, and some other stressors are actually more responsible for a greater number of these losses. Of course, beekeepers, commercial guys, can breed their own replacements. What's going on with the native bees, the wild bee population? So if you mean specifically feral honeybees or feral, okay, yeah, so, so honeybees aren't native to North America, so there are no, quote, wild populations. But we have, in certain parts of Florida, a, a relatively robust feral population, especially in South Florida, but that's because African bees are present there, and that's most of what's there. For the rest of the country, the feral population is suffering pretty significantly. They're not under management. So Varroa and other stressors take them out pretty easily. And the prognosis for bees in the future? You know, I'm an optimist. I think beekeepers are going to look up someday. Bees are going to keep going up. I mean, I just can't help but feel things are going to get better. It's going to be a struggle. This is agriculture, right? You know, this is nature, biology. It's hard to control these things. But I'm optimistic that we're going to really be able to address bee losses, bee issues really well in the future. The U.S. Department of Agriculture used to keep track of colony losses and issue a yearly report so beekeepers and researchers would have some idea how bad things were getting. Last year, the agency announced they were suspending data collection because of budget cuts. It's one more way the Donald Trump administration has tried to purge anything to do with former President Barack Obama, who had launched a government-wide focus on protecting pollinators whose populations have plummeted in recent years. Bees are still dying, but the feds simply stopped counting, which makes state government all the more important. The Florida State Beekeepers Association is asking lawmakers to set aside $250,000 in the current budget for research at the Bee Lab. They're also trying to raise money by asking the legislature to pass a bill creating a honeybee license plate in Florida. Your calendar of events today begins with Lieutenant Governor Jeanette Nunez and State Surgeon General Dr. Scott Rivkes holding a press conference in Miami at 10 to highlight the role of the Florida Department of Health in identifying and helping victims of human trafficking. This is all part of the run-up to the Super Bowl in South Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis will make what's described as a major announcement at Omni Middle School in Boca Raton at 1 this afternoon. Expect more details on his plan to replace Common Core standards in public schools. The House Gaming Control Subcommittee meets at 1 to consider a bill by Representative Will Robinson of Bradenton requiring the Florida Lottery to place the message, Play Responsibly, on their advertising and all their lottery tickets. The Senate Education Committee meets at 1.30 to hear a bill by Senator Gail Harrell of Stewart revamping Florida's voluntary pre-kindergarten and school readiness programs. The Senate Innovation, Industry, and Technology Committee meets at 1.30. They'll take up a proposal by Senator Ben Albritton to eliminate rules about telegraph companies from state laws. It is, after all, more than 10 years since Western Union sent its last telegram. At 3.30, the House Ways and Means Committee takes up a bill by Chairman Brian Avila of Miami Springs to repeal a controversial program that allows state dollars to be spent on professional sports stadiums. The Senate Community Affairs Committee meets at 4 to consider Senator Keith Perry's bill blocking local occupational licensing. The Senate Environment and Natural Resources Committee meets at 4. They'll hear a bill by Senator Joe Gruters of Sarasota that increases penalties for polluters. The governor called for passage of such a bill during his State of the State message. 
The Senate Infrastructure and Security Committee meets at four to hear a bill by Senator Jeff Brandis of St. Pete, allowing ride-sharing services like Uber and Lyft to display digital advertising. And the Florida Coalition for Children and other child welfare advocates are releasing a report about state performances in achieving the best results for children entering foster care. That's happening at 10 on the steps of the Old Capitol. And it's time once again for the continuing misadventures of Florida Man. A 55-year-old Florida man is busted in Port St. Lucie for pointing a laser sight attached to an AR-15 assault rifle at a Martin County Sheriff's Office helicopter. Deputies say Norman Flaxman walked out of his home, pointed the gun at the chopper, and activated the laser two or three times. Flaxman said he did it to test the laser. He's been charged with a felony, pointing a laser at a pilot or driver. By the way, the whole incident was captured on a camera on board the helicopter. And a Florida man who calls himself the Orlando Easter Bunny tried to use his rabbit costume to escape the law. Antoine McDonald had his 15 minutes of fame last year when a video captured him fighting a man on the streets of Orlando dressed in a bunny suit. The highway patrol says McDonald ran a red light, crashed his motorcycle into a carport, and then fled the scene. He's charged with hit and run, driving on a suspended license, and operating a motorcycle without a license. The Orlando Sentinel reports authorities asked him to remove his costume before they arrested him, thus depriving the world forever of a perp walk by the Easter Bunny. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. I've been summoned to appear at the county courthouse today, so my colleague Sarah Mueller will be filling in if they are desperate enough to put me on a jury.